Hey everyone, this is John, and I have a few things I'm really excited about that I wanted to share. First, we've officially hit a thousand plays on this podcast, which is huge for me, and I never imagined actually making something that would reach that many people, so thank you everyone who's been listening. Second, I've finished recording all of my guests for season one, so for the next few months, I'm going to be releasing two episodes per month, one at the beginning and one sometime towards the end, so be on the lookout for new episodes soon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with a friend. It would mean the world to me if this thing reached as many people as possible and they learned something from my conversations with our guests. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at wellfed.us and you can visit the website www.wellfed.us to learn more about our guests, sign up for early episode releases, and updates on what's next for the podcast. With that, enjoy the fifth episode of Wellfed. One last note. If you hear any snoring or heavy breathing, I promise you it's not Rebecca and Rowan. It's actually their French bulldog, Ozzy, and their chihuahua, Frankie, who also joined us during this recording. So enjoy the episode. I think when you're in a relationship like we are, you have more allowance for each other and, you know, moods or yeah. being upset or tight, whatever whatever it is. If, if you're in that same relationship but with someone who, you know, is just a business partner might actually cause more problems sure, think, yeah. in some ways because you're not quite as forgiving of, of other people or, or something like that. And I think we it's like, it's like a great relationship just when you can come together on basically the things that are important, you know, in life and like you agree on it, it, it goes pretty seamlessly. Yeah. So it's, um, right now it's good. <laughs> <laughs> My guests on this episode of the Well-Fed Podcast are design and hospitality duo Rebecca Johnson and Ro- Rowan McDermott. It. I actually introduced myself to Rowan uh, when I first stumbled into Frankie on like a random weekend because, you know, as you guys know, I was going to the same places over and over again. I was tired of that. I had walked into Frankie and I was kind of just taken back a little bit because it was one of the most, you know, well-designed places, beautiful, warm space, kind of really inviting um, and as a designer myself, I really appreciated that. So I kind of like followed Rowan around a little bit, asked him a few questions. And, um, you know, when I started this project, I immediately thought you two were, you know, had to be guests on here. So thank you for uh, joining me. Cool. Thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah. Awesome. We were thrilled when we saw your, yeah, you're right up on the restaurant. I was like, where is this? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, um, you know, for a while it was just like, pushing myself to try to learn a little bit but then also I just found that like there are so many little gems that you wouldn't know because everyone just is kind of stuck to you know Newark Ave or, mm-hmm. you know in Jersey right. City the same four yeah. Barcade you know all those Porta and stuff like that mm-hmm. so you know as I mentioned the the space that you guys have is beautiful everything from the you know pieces of glass that you guys have hanging the 70s century uh, 70s time period furniture um, the, and you know for my favorite the fonts on the menus things like that type yeah, sure. and all that stuff so um, you two also just returned from uh, what seemed to be a nice lengthy international trip right yeah um, you guys went to France Spain London Australia did I yeah. miss anything in between there yeah we... <laughs> one or two yeah. yeah we're in st petersburg for a little bit for the world cup then a very very fleeting trip to finland for all of about 18 hours yeah we do usually when we travel we go a little nuts and we're used to like not sleeping at home with the restaurant anyways so we're like, let's just <laughs> yeah. hit up as many places as possible pack in as much food as possible but the australian, the australian trip is separate we kind of always we do go to australia it's like a minute, two weeks is kind of the minimum, for, I, I think, at least for us to go there yeah. for the length sure. of the trip and, you know, obviously spending a lot of time with family and friends and then some time on our own. Yeah, we go not. home once or twice a year to visit family and then this past trip we also did a business, you know, a bit of business and we visited a bunch of winemakers in the Adelaide Hills that we work with here. It's so not that was business. Huh? More, a lot more fun than More than fun, business, but, but technically it was a business associate, yeah. but yeah, it was a lot of fun and it was pretty wild. Rowan, obviously, from your accent, you grew up in Australia, correct? Yeah, I grew up in Sydney. <laughs> um, and I've been living in the States for quite a while, but it's, like we're saying, it's always been able to spend a lot of time in Australia as well. So whether it's every year, or I went back and went to college there and, and then moved back to the States after that. So a lot of time on and off, really. Mm-hmm. When did you first come to the US? Man, 10 years ago. Yeah. 10 years ago, like a week. Yeah. Yeah. So very, yeah. Um, to celebrate your 10 year Yeah, New York 10 years. <laughs> and uh, always based in New York, worked in a handful of restaurants there, kind of starting off as a food runner. Cool. Um, and then, you know, eventually pretty much every job you could do in a restaurant on and off. Sure. 
And yeah, I was lucky enough to work with some really great restaurateurs and chefs and bartenders and able to pull different things and learn different stuff from those, uh, from that different group of people. Um, and then a couple other stints in London and, um, and then working in Australia as well. Sure. So, yeah. Were you kind of, you know, going back to, you know, you growing up in Australia, were you around restaurants? You know, were you around the hospitality industry when you were younger or were you just kind of running around guns so, blazing? Not overly. My family kind of jokes that no one was particularly, you wouldn't call it a food centric family necessarily. Sure. Like it wasn't that anyone was, was starving, but it, it was maybe not, you know, everyone ate together and had dinner together, but the actual food was maybe not a huge focus necessarily. Sure. And for whatever reason, you know, I was probably 15 or 16, started getting really into food and enjoying it. You know, I, I was lucky enough to move to England when I was like 18 and I worked in a really good pub and restaurant in London. And that really, from there, I pretty much just worked in restaurants ever since. I haven't really, I haven't really stopped. Yeah, I worked for a lawyer for about all six really? months in Jersey. <laughs> and, and after it, I spent all day reading restaurant reviews on my <laughs> computer and kind of thinking about food. <laughs> The, Jim, the guy I worked for, actually came to the restaurant the other night. And we had a good chat, which was fun. But um, that kind of brief stint in a corporate office world, I was like, <laughs> enough of a shock. Yeah, enough <laughs> of a shock for me. And, yeah. Um, you know, kind of realized it probably wasn't for me. But yeah, other than that short stint, really just been been in restaurants since since you know leaving high school. That you know, short but influential time working in England for for a year and a bit. Um, really, yeah, kind of set a course, I think. The jump over to the States, I imagine, you know, was kind of, you're just able to get your hands dirty right away and just get right into like, say the back of house or, you know, wherever you guys were working at the time in New York. Yeah. A lot of walking around and handing out, <laughs> uh, resumes, um, to pretty much every restaurant possible living off dollar slices for a good amount of time. Nice. Um, was lucky enough to get a start at a place called Double Crown, which was a, was a great restaurant in, in Manhattan and the owners have a their restaurant designers called Avrico. They got oh yeah, of, I've seen uh, their work is really yeah, awesome. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, their restaurant public was was really, you know, world renowned. And then yeah, just their design. It was so. It was probably one of the first places working in that, just aesthetically was inspiring to be in. And the amount of attention to detail, um, between, you know, custom work and refurbishing sure, yeah. things was was really amazing. So um, you were not only you know working in the restaurant, but you you sort of came to have this appreciation of good design and good kind of like service or a good experience, restaurant yeah, experience and stuff sure. like that. I, I think so. I think especially that, that place that's now called Saxon and Parole and is, is you know, equally as beautiful and, and good restaurant was maybe one of the first times realizing that the full, you know, package of a restaurant and how kind of all encompassing it can be. Um, there was, you know, we talk sometimes about escapism a little bit within yeah. a restaurant that type of place, and I think there are other design work and restaurants that they don't always own, but they they um, open for other people. is is very much based around that. Once you step in, you kind of forget you're on the the bar- corner of Bowery and Bleecker exactly. in New York, and you you transport into a new place a little bit. So for that, I know kind of in our projects we've done together, and and you know with Frankie, there was definitely that element of wanting to to have the street here, which we love, and the neighborhood we love. But once you walk inside, it's it's something a, totally yeah, different. Very different. The feel. goal is to make people forget what time it is. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Like when you're designing something or you're creating a space in the environment, like that's what you want people to be able to unplug. Yeah. And that's always yeah, a main goal for us. I think that's something I noticed right off the bat when I walked into the to the space. But Rebecca, you're uh, you know you have kind of projects all throughout the city mm-hmm. as an artist also as a designer yeah um when you were you know were you always involved in kind of being creative when you were younger did you grow up being you know artistic or for me it's yeah. like coloring and you know coloring books that's where i started yeah yeah no i think um i think my mom was like oh you started your career when i saw you studying an ant colony and you came out and i drew it i was drawing these little ants for hours like with and she was like, yeah, I knew you were a weird kid, but I knew you were hopefully talented. Or just. Sure, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've always been into the arts. Um, just kind of found my niche immediately when I was younger and identified with it. Uh, I went to Pratt. So cool. I grew up in Jersey and then dropped into the middle of Brooklyn. And it was a great life experience and also like creative growth experience. And then stayed in Brooklyn for years, which was just um, very impactful, like in terms of being around a community of people who just pushed the limits. Um, there was so much happening in Brooklyn at the time with, with branding and different businesses yeah. opening. 
So that was um, pretty, it was amazing. I mean, we met at the time in a, in a restaurant called Colony that was in Brooklyn Heights. And like they, we are friends with the owners to this day. They were doing great things. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't, never thought I'd be in the hospitality industry, though. <laughs> I will say that much. Um, I worked at a brief stint in an Indian restaurant on Route 9. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we, you, in, back in hometown. Yeah, yeah. So like we grew up not school. too far from each other. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Jackson, or Howell, Jackson, and you grew up in Freehold. Yeah, you probably know the restaurant. We're on, on, we're on Route 9. 9. Um, I should know the name of it. It was like the Thai Indian place that was by the Perkins. By the Perkins, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know exactly what strip you... It's like in between the, the car dealerships yeah. and then like um, the diner on the corner over there on yeah. the going it, south. It was it was an experience. I mean, it was um, it was serving, nothing to do with the kitchen. But I, even then, like I did... There's something about the um, being in the industry, though, that is kind of magnetic because you be, like, I was... My hands are getting... My palms are getting red by the guy making, you know, one of the chefs. I was drawing pictures for them. You become sure. friends with the, the... It's like, it's such a... It's a creative environment itself, and I think a lot of like chefs and creatives in general or artists who share this same, you share the, the passion and the lack of sleep, and it's just it's a similar. <laughs> lack of sleep, thing. very key, very key on yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. So there's um there's a lot of parallels that help it like that make sense. But not until I met, I was doing design, basic design work. I started as a fine artist, then went into communication design at Pratt and illustration and zoned in on more commercial work while trying to do my own artwork on the side. And then when I met Roan is when we really started to, um, we, I kept, my focus was on food and I had, he kind of opened my eyes to the design industry associated with the hospitality. And that was a, a wonderful exposure. Like, and we started, when we started dating, yeah. like we, a lot of our, our life together has been around exploring, eating, going to places for the design, the experience. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was very like, you know, you mentioned that, you know, a chef and a designer, an artist, or any kind of person who's creative who's spending hours working on projects and mm-hmm. staying up. It sounds like that just, they just naturally complement each other in that sense because, you know, in one aspect, you're working and thinking about a designer may be looking at it as a, as a visual problem that, you know, isn't necessarily hands on. Um, whereas a chef is solving the problem of, of like the other senses that are needed. So taste and smell, where, uh, you know, vision is also a part of it, but like that's where they kind of, you know, start to overlap in each yeah. other which i think is kind of i've never really heard it that way before the sensor experience yeah it's definitely yeah. um it all it all works together i think also with restaurants is like a as a space that they're so heavily used as a public space um you know there there's a lot of wear and tear sometimes yeah. on restaurants things for us at least we always love places that look quite residential or mm-hmm. that have no commercial look to them um but then you got to imagine that 150 people are coming through there in a night you know the amount of plate work glass all that type of thing that yeah. that goes into it you want to happen kind of seamlessly mm-hmm. without people noticing the movement of of staff and mm-hmm. and whatever's going on so taking that into kind of designing a space or making a space look be practical mm-hmm. but seem like it's completely non-commercial or effortless in yeah, a effortless, sense. Ex- yeah exactly yeah you mentioned uh, that you guys started dating. You met you met at a restaurant. Could you tell me a little bit more about that kind of uh, encounter and and you know what that was like and when did you guys start talking about you know working together? So a uh, place called Colony in Brooklyn where we met um, and we were friends for I don't know probably six yeah, months or, yeah. or longer and, and knew each other. I was actually away traveling for a while and uh, a really good friend of mine moved to New York and Rebecca was looking for a roommate at the time with her other friends. So they ended up living together, as a lot of Australians do, once of us get an apartment somewhere. I've heard this before. I, I've, yes. We've got a place, come back. And so I was like, oh, come. So I came back to New York and, um, and was, you know, sleeping on the couch and spending lots of time together. And, and then, yeah, kind of went from there. We went to Canada traveling for a while and I was living up there for a little bit as well. Yeah. And months later, in a roundabout way we went on a road trip through the states and yeah. back up to canada with he, some other friends he and, and his uh, best friend had a school bus that they drove from canada nice. and we did a little bit of a, did road a big trip loop through the states and rebecca joined us and some other I people jumped on where i could yeah and then um we did a, it was a lot of it was literally international you went home for a while you were he was doing the lost and i was still hanging out in new york and then um long story short it all worked out in the end yeah, <laughs> yeah. a lot of movement for you know a couple yeah. of years there like between Canada and the States and Australia. Yeah. Um, a lot of going back and forth and then, you know, eventually decided we both love New York and happy there and, and you know, in this area of the world at least. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, you know, that was about f- probably five years ago now. We kind of permanently settled down here. And or the first hospital, the first time working together, like collaboratively, was when um, I was doing branding and concept for a local redesign of a restaurant that was called the Kitchen at Grove Station. Mm. It's now the Latham House. Um, that was like a not my like I was working with another designer, so it wasn't my core aesthetic. But he was, it was um, I'd say more pottery barn oriented, like sure. just like a little more mainstream, farm, farm ha- kind of like country farm table, French kitchen, still really beautiful. It was uh, wonderful to work with the designer um, Andrew Bennett, and, and we just like, but yeah, and you came on board. It was and that was the first time we were kind of seeing it as a whole, where Ron was able to help with the food. We had a chef on board who worked closely with us, and that project um, was great experience yeah. learning learning experience as well and during that time i think the more fun project was the fox and crow mm-hmm. so my parents that, the, the inside of that place is uh my, my girlfriend took me the other day uh the other day for wings you know <laughs> tuesday is usually taco tuesday yeah. it's really easy to get a good taco around here you go to taqueria yeah. um and then she always has a hankering for wings every once in a while so we would go to like uh, Hamilton and or mm-hmm. Hamilton Pork, and you know they have really good wings. But uh, she was like, "Let's go to Fox and Crow." I was like, "Great, I've never been there before." <laughs> and and also the space there, I think, is beautiful. You know everything, the bar. You know, as soon as you walk in, yeah, it's, it's cool. a nice, it's a different feel from Frankie. But um, yeah. you know, I, like I walked into the bathroom and I was like, "Wow, the wallpaper is great." You know, it's like <laughs> lipstick all over the place. Like you know, yeah, there's just yeah. so many great details that I, I loved about that place. That's, that wallpaper is actually my mom picked that out, and I it's like it's funny because I'm like I always talk to people and they love it, and she's like, "Told you, I can design." <laughs> That spot was fun because that was like pretty much that was a horrible um, bar. I mean, not mm-hmm. horrible. I'm sure it was it was loved in its own right, but it had been shut down because of so many issues in terms of like drugs and violence. And then when we came in, there was a, there was definitely um, a big there was a problem in terms of just the neighborhood accepting the change. And we kind of did like a case study of like okay, we we've been living in Brooklyn for ten years. We've seen people like come in, do new projects, and kind of bring that neighborhood together. And usually, what helps do that is like art. Yeah. So, like, even just going out and spray painting the front of the project, um, I remember my parents were like, yeah, go for it. So, as I'm spray painting, you're meeting locals who are coming up, and, like, people have been in the neighborhood for, you know, 50 years, people have been in the neighborhood for two years, and you start a conversation, and it's a great icebreaker to kind of introduce the, the redesign, the reopening of the spot. And then, um, in general, when we rolled out the restaurant, we definitely wanted it to be more, like, akin to a pub, like, in London or England, mm. like, this, like family spot where you have like a baby on your hip, a beer in your hand. You can be there, you know, at Sunday in the morning or also yeah. late at night and have people in there getting whatever, wild. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's definitely, I think with the culture of pubs, definitely in England, Australia somewhat as well, it, very much an extension of your home. You don't, yeah. you generally don't feel, you often don't know the owners or you don't know, you know, the licensee or wherever it is because, um, sorry, pub. Sorry, pig. because, uh, <laughs> Because it, because it's really your place. It's yeah. you know it's the public's you know um, public house to use public, the pub. Yeah. yeah, it's a very much a public place. I so, spent a few days in uh, in London and experienced kind of like the pub scene for I think a Saturday or a Saturday and a Friday. Yeah, and uh, it's it's great because. You know, here it's like everyone has to stay inside. You know, you can't have anyone pour out. But like in London, it's like you got people pouring out from like the doors and they're all have beers in the street. And it's great. And it's not like, I think, you know, it's different in that sense. It's not like people are wild. It's like they're just chatting and they're talking because that culture is totally different from, say, here in the States. Mm. I really don't know why that's so much fun. (laughs) I don't know either. But it is like grabbing a drink and going and standing out in the street for some reason is the most fun you can have have at a venue. It's the kind of thing you should loosen up here. It's almost like I think people go buck wild when they can do it because it's that you know they can find they can break the rules where if it were like the norm you would just be like okay i'm yeah. not gonna cook yeah. yeah i think there's a few things that there's definitely a couple of things right like if we wanted to we could rip this apart but i think also it's just like the i feel like growing you know going through school or anything like that and when i would go out with a few kids and they would just get like absolutely obliterated yeah. it's like and then the next day they're like cranking head in the books you know going for hours and right. it's just like it's all like pent up and then they have to like explode at some point they're like oh beer drink you know it's just i never got like i don't get like that i i like to enjoy when i'm you know granted we go out and have a great time once in a while and that's fine but all like responsibly where you're not like running around and falling on the floor and bashing your head in (laughs) it plays into that thing though of college here where like your crazy hedonistic ears exist from 18 to 21 yeah you you know what i mean you get you meant to get rid of all this energy and and you know 
life experience in the oh, three-year period yeah. and then it's like oh, I have my theory, that's my college days sure, yeah. like, my theory is America like lives under this Catholic guilt like it's <laughs> like as you go to Australia and it's like, not that everyone's drinking all the time but it's just such a different environment you can go out and then with your peers or co-workers and you can like speak openly like oh yeah I had a few too many drinks last night and sure, so you're yeah. not going to be penalized or like shamed for it it's yeah it's I think it's actually a better mental attitude because it's a, essentially it's a huge part of your life socializing drinking yeah. like and yet we're almost ashamed here of it it's a really strange situation. yeah it's almost like uh i think you could you know easily say people in the states like just are working all the time they don't take yeah. enough great work of that time that That's, free time themselves you know i think there's, there's something amazing in the states that i found about the entrepreneurial spirit and work ethic is is pretty amazing yeah. the amount of you know it's not that you know other countries lived in people you know everyone works good hours and their careers and whatnot but here there's really a, a focus on on the length of time you work making mm-hmm. something of yourself yeah. you know kind of making your own opportunities which i think is is pretty unique to to this country mm-hmm. yeah so you know the projects we've mentioned Fra- frankie a little bit we'll get into frankie yeah. more but uh fox and crow and then we're also recording in the co-working space that you worked on yeah. uh and co um and you mentioned that you worked with the silverman group could you tell me mm-hmm. a little bit about the process actually um, I think more so like, you know, what goes into designing a space that like people are going to exist in for hours, you know, they're going to yeah. eat, they're going to work, you know, what are you thinking about? So, um, comfort, confidence, uh, colors, I mean like energy, I'm all, I'm big on color. I'm very sensitive. Like I, I go into a space immediately. I'm just like, Oh, I don't like that. I do like that. You know, like everything. It's like high sensitivity. I'm affected by every detail. So taking that and being uber critical of yourself and your environment. Um, when I, when I got approached by the Silverman, uh, building company they um they actually really liked fox and crow and the uh, kitchen at grove station so they kind of sought me out which is really cool and like we have this great project um we've already kind of tried working with two different groups and just wasn't clicking do you want to present a proposal and, and see how it goes and i saw the space sent a proposal in and immediately i think we had this good synergy where we knew it was going to work we had the same uh end goal in sight and um i worked very closely with uh Eric Silverman, one of the owners of the company, and Brianna Wilkins, who was a project manager. And they were both just so hands-on and committed to the project. It was a really wonderful team amongst everyone else, too. But in the space, um, yeah, the biggest thing was we knew we wanted to have different areas. There's going to be tiered structures of uh, membership, just like a WeWork. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have your open work, which is supposed to kind of um, resemble and feel like if you're working in a cafe, but a little, you know, obviously with more comfort. Uh, then being in the cafe, you have your reserve desks where you'd be sitting for a long time at a desk and then the private offices. And I think like the main goal was that we really kind of um, centered around the open workspace and the kitchen area because like the kitchen is so, I guess going back to hospital, like, the kitchen area is such a um, center of like warmth and energy. So, yeah. and people kind of gather around the kitchen at homes and also when you're working. Completely. So we wanted to make the bar top area and like the self, it, ends up, it ended up being like a self-serve cafe. So we have like beer and coffee and, and you know, um, but we did a nice big round bar and we kind of did a lot of the central design around the kitchen and the lounge area, um, which was again, living room kitchen, I guess it's like a sure. similar setup. I, I spend, I would say, majority of my time at my apartment in the kitchen. You know, I yeah. I grew up kind of. My mom taught me how to make eggs because I was like, "Mom, I'm hungry," and she would work late, so it's like, "Okay, I'm going to teach you how to make something." And then yeah. every time you're hungry, you can make this. And if you mm-hmm. want to learn something else, like or if you want something else, you'll learn it. Yeah. So um, I kind of would always spend my time in the kitchen growing up, and and now, and I find that like whenever I'm looking for a new apartment or like you know any like. If I want to move, I'm like, okay, how's the kitchen space? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. really, like, yeah. it could be the smallest room. I could have enough room for, like, a twin bed. If my kitchen is, like, even if my bed, I mean, it wouldn't be ideal, but if my bed's in the kitchen and the kitchen's uh, gigantic, <laughs> yeah, I'd be yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sign me up. Let's do this. Like, it, it's definitely, actually, when I'm, like, wherever I am, if I'm, if we're abroad or we're home, like, I tend to work in the kitchen or near mm-hmm. the kitchen. I think also because of the, like, I can easily work in a restaurant late on projects. It's the energy. So, like, yeah. when you have people, kind of energetic and talking i think people thrive off of this energy and they can continue working and like it, it builds their energy levels as well in this space but um we did the purposely we did the tones of the whole space they're like primary which is great because that kind of brings you to this like very um like a primal like feel but at the same time responsive because those are like the first colors you're gonna like respond to mm-hmm. and then lots of like blue tones and green green hues like calming so you want a space that's not going to put you to sleep, but you're going to feel very sure, yeah. um, comfortable and relaxed and like 
able to focus. Yeah, I think that's a good point too when you think about like, you know, my kind of workflow throughout the day or my like uh, kind of chart. It's like I'm really active for me. I know it varies per person, but like I'm active in the morning and then, you know, I kind of have this like little slump around probably most people like three or four or whatever. But like, is there a way to kind of counter that in the design, right? I think that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Frankie is the name of your chihuahua. Yeah, she's yeah. and <laughs> you named the restaurant Frankie. Yeah. But where does where did you get the name Frankie for your chihuahua? Uh, it's not the cra- not the most interesting story. <laughs> Basically, we th- we thought she had blue eyes. They're not very blue now. Um, and my mom just was like, Frank, Frank's Frankie blue eyes, and it just stuck. <laughs> and she was like this cute little female chihuahua. And I was like, yeah, she looks like a Frank, <laughs> and that stuck. But the restaurant, it's funny. People think it's like an Italian spot, and it's like no. I'd, Frankie. Frankie's or Frankie's, something. Frankie's, yeah. Just Frankie. No, yeah. no, Frankie. <laughs> no, um, she... Everyone in Jersey is naturally like, there's a, a string of like Italian Americans yeah. and they're all like, oh, let's go to Frankie's. Yeah, like yeah, everything is a posture, yes. When I put it into like Google Maps or something, you do get the amount of Frankie's that comes up with <laughs> posture, yes, is kind of like, <laughs> I know, definitely not the most unique name either. But no, she, Frankie, when I moved to Brooklyn, she was like my icebreaker. I was in an apartment building, I was on the corner of Stube and I think Taffy the Clinton Hill neighborhood had Frankie and um, everyone knew Frankie's name before my name. Like the bodega, the guy, William, who ran the bodega where he hung out way too much. Like <laughs> Frankie would be behind the counter hanging out with him. It was just like, and I just thought it was fitting because this little dog with a huge personality mm-hmm. and she was kind of like my neighborhood icebreaker. So I was like, what is a restaurant? You know, you want to meet people and bring them together. So it's, it's Frankie. That's cool. Where did um, the, so the theme of it is kind of like Australian surf culture mm-hmm. Um, meets like ever uh, lasting sunny days in a sense. <laughs> Where did the concept kind of stem from? We de- we knew we wanted to do something that was different from in the area for sure. We, yeah. The concept was always going to be something that was unique. You know, as much as we love how many great Italian restaurants are in the neighborhood, a lot of Italian restaurants, a lot of Italian restaurants. <laughs> you know, great American restaurants. Yeah. Um, we just knew it was like what we had to offer. We didn't need to offer and that anymore doesn't need jersey city doesn't need another pasta pizza taco yeah it's it's so it's really well represented it's just from us we didn't need need to do it we knew we wanted to have something that was quite lively again the two other projects that were main projects in jersey city being a part of both had a a little bit of a similarity of being low lit um you know like you were saying a farmhouse cabin Mm -hmm. type Mm -hmm. feel and there's there's definitely that's a big trend in in restaurants at Mm -hmm. least in in the states i think um, we were wanted to go the the opposite side of that, so you know replace Edison light bulbs with more fluorescent, yeah, colorful light yeah. bulbs, mm-hmm. um, and and lighting pieces and design pieces, uh, you know rather than wood floors, let's paint the cement, scruff it up, make that you know a part of the part of the it's look. It's like the, the pool or beach feel, like you have. Yep. Yeah, I think we were we're both passionate about um, Frankie. Like the food and the design was kind of it's essentially very much us. Like if we were to do another project, we would probably obviously take a concept and develop it very differently. But this one came pretty naturally. Like yeah. these are these are not only I mean it's following our concept, but it's also food he loves, like palettes that I love. Um, mm-hmm. We wanted the space to be. Reminiscent of um, definitely Sydney, where the, some of the design elements in Sydney, you have the windows, different panes of glass, like a lot of the old architecture in Sydney is like the different um, textures in the windows uh, and the glass. You have lots of arches as well, and the, the tone, like the palette and yeah. the tones. I think we, we were also inspired just by like the internal summer. Some of our favorite like surf videos, like David Hockney, his like paintings, cool. just that was um, as we were going, we kind of just kept collecting before yep. when we were building Frankie out we were in LA and we got a bunch of great posters from the spot called Surfing Cowboys cool and um, we like saw it we knew it we saved it for months for Frankie and it was um, kind of like reminiscent of if we're going to be here in Jersey City we're going to be living in this space we sure. want to make a space that feels like a holiday yeah. kind of like because what's better than when you go away and you're you're in a holiday destination yeah so we, sure. bought, we, we did buy a bunch of these giant original movie posters like the fantastic plastic just like an old surf movie and we had them in our apartment for a long time people would come over or we having a party but like so what's frank when we're still building the place it's like you know what's frankie gonna look like whatever i do remember pulling out the post <laughs> this is what it's gonna look like they're probably like, like okay <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah just look at this this is what the restaurant will look like this is embodies whole, what the restaurant you can have be. posters everywhere i was like no 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 just the aesthetics of this will well, be we were on a, like, like it's funny because like, it just pour, it pours out like when you think about it for months you think about it and we were on 
a trip somewhere, I think upstate, and I made a napkin in the car, and it was like we were sketching out like the light, like the layout of Frankie. We knew the windows were going to be there. It was like yeah. there's so many iterations of like what Frankie was going to be, but there was core Changes concepts and... that were always going to be there: light filled, lots of plants, the same yeah. palette. Um, and then the '70s as well. Like we also loved a nod to like the '70s culture, like the time. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, the furniture, the all the chairs, the tables. I mean, oh, I'm oh. a big furniture. Like not, I'm a I'm getting into furniture more and yeah. more. Uh, my grandma works at their shop, so like for some reason, back in Jackson, um, mm-hmm. randomly they like a, a piece of mid-century furniture will pop up, and I'm like, "Grandma, how much is that?" And she's yeah, like, yeah. "It's five dollars because you're my grandson." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yes!" And then you look it up. You know, I mean, I have a couple pieces that I've kept, and now I'm getting I'm, the idea is like, "Oh, maybe I'll sell some." But like, you look yeah. them up, and you're like, "You know, this would be expensive if I bought it from like a store or something like that." Like, we'll I love it. Together sometime, yeah, I know, dude. You? Absolutely, I'll be there in a heartbeat. I it's, love. It's tough, you know. I go down every once in a while to visit, you know, my mom and my uh, my grandmother, and it's it's really just like every once in a while I get lucky. But there's a couple that really actually is a good couple of spots uh, in like Ocean and Mammoth, yeah, um, that have like a good selection of furniture it's weird because you know you're like okay where are the people that would buy that furniture and you would never think our area that we grew up it's like very woodsy you know like very kind of like yeah like jackson you know people are running around and and hunting a lot so like oh they just they want like the the big leather couch to come in after a long day of hunting but like you know you walk in you have this like six drawer mid-century piece Mm. and you're like give me that please like take that now sure it does show the the, that area though not that i know a huge amount about it does show the variance in new jersey like you oh, don't yeah. have to travel too far and like yeah. you're saying people are hunting and yeah more yeah. rural than than where we are obviously I mean, now my, my grandfather we I, were in lakewood and he was mm-hmm. a woodworker and so like he actually built for he would do um woodworking like reliefs like mainly like small pieces of scene like landscapes but he also built furniture and it That's was cool. like in like science something magazine in like the 60s 70s featured pieces so there's something about the craftsmanship that goes along with that yeah. mentality too. Like kind of just have an appreciation for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm gonna hunt. I'm gonna get my own food. I'm gonna. He didn't hunt. He was like a crazy artist. Was <laughs> That's cool. I, th- I think one of the dogs ate his. Was it his turkey or chicken one year? But. And he refused to have Thanksgiving for five years. Oh like, no, <laughs> that sounds horrific. Yeah. But it's definitely like an appreciation for like the craftsmanship that goes with making something with your hands. Yeah. Um, yeah. But on, on the thing, at least in, in Frankie, I can the most. One of the most said phrases is, we used to have that in our house when guests come in. That's cool. Oh, yeah. About certain elements, particularly the chairs that we have. It's, you know, a few times a night at least someone comes in. And just that, but that little memory, right there you connect with something that's, you're assuming, comforting. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, kind of homely. And if that's one of the first things people recognize, it's great. You're kind Mm. of setting a path for... Hopefully but, more in enjoyment. But we fun. also, with this project, because in the past we've done, like, the Fox and Crow was all, like, Old English pub, like, cabin style, get all the Edison bulbs, go to the thrift yeah. stores, get, like, the furs, the taxidermy. This project was, like, cool. Let's engage with, the like, the creative community and the design, like, the kind of the, um, the elite design world right now. Because we were able to go to, like, local design shows, like, Want It in the City's Amazing, yeah. ICFF. And we met with um, the lighting designers based of Amsterdam, who did those really cool acrylic pieces. Yeah, those the, are my favorite. I looked those. Uh, I looked at those, and I, I wanted to. I was meaning to ask you, but uh, the the way, like you know, you're looking at it one way, and it's a certain color, and then you go around, you yeah. know, ten feet or yeah. whatever, and it's something totally different. But it gives this warmth of like the the sun setting and yeah. that gradient of like exactly blues, pinks, yellows. Yeah. You know, it's my favorite, one of my favorite pieces. And just how they change from they look completely mirrored, and yeah. then they go to as soon as it changes angle, it's is completely translucent. It's yeah, that's kind of neat to too yeah. as well. It's like uh, this kind of like invisible glass at some point. It just I find myself weird. still staring, sometimes, <laughs> like watching it move around. But. I think it's also I've definitely. There's been a few times where I've been overtired and maybe a little drunk and cranky, and like. It, the, it'll hit you through like the orange right. light and I'm like oh sun I'm like wait no that's my own big sun I've generated <laughs> but it's um and then the other like that the, we have like a cool lighting fixture that kind of resembles a J and yeah. that's from Eric Ginder's like uh, I think Eric's based out of Seattle it's like we worked with yeah. a lot of people um, and so people who come in and appreciate design I think they see all these variations and they're like yeah. oh wow and then some people come in like oh that's a great something like that's a great thrift store light and I'm like oh, <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh, it's a J that's yeah. your your name starts with a J yeah, 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 you know? exactly. like really offbeat like they're not they're just like see it for what it is at some point yeah which is but just... as long as they respond to it in a positive way yeah. like that's that's the goal so 
you know, the, I think Frankie kind of, uh, I guess one of the staples and I guess something that you guys uh, maybe pride yourself in is you guys have this wide selection of natural wine. Mm-hmm. Where does that come into play? Do you guys, were you guys always big fans of wine? Was that something that you kind of slowly grew into? Where does, uh, where'd that come from? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I've always worked with wine a lot in restaurants and enjoyed wine a lot. Um, you know, my dad and my uncles in particular really enjoyed really good wine and being around that, you know, um, when I was younger and then after high school was, was probably really influential as well. With, with the natural wine side of it, you know, one restaurant in particular called Contra in New York, which is really well known mm-hmm. for, its, for its natural wine list, um, went there one night and I kind of heard about natural wine almost like as a buzzword type of thing. Sure, yeah. And didn't really know its relevance or what, what, it, what it was. And all I remember, the meal was amazing, but what I remember was just the wine being, I've never quite had things that were so textural, um, different than, than that night. And it kind of started an obsession, really. I don't know. You could yeah. call it a bad habit. But <laughs> it's just something in the back of your mind all the time. Yeah. Wine. From there. And then it's kind of been a point when we travel, it's something you're always Seek looking out, out for. Yeah. And, it's cool. and, um, Copenhagen, like the entire trip to Copenhagen. Yeah. Like wine based. Great wine scene <laughs> yes. there. And it, with Australia, at least there's a big movement with natural wine, mm-hmm. um, there that's kind of coincidingly happened at the, you know, at the same time, which has been great. And for us, that was always going to be um, a, f- a focal point of Frankie. Mm. We did the wine list at the kitchen was very much focused around small producers. A lot of them were natural and biodynamic dynamic wines, mm. but it wasn't as it wasn't as much of a focus. We weren't as you know kind of um, gun ho about it. Or, yeah, and the Fox it. and Crow, which because Ron did the beverage list, the Fox and Crow there, and well, no, it was, your dad has a great well, selection he, of beers. And yeah, that, I was gonna say you to help, well, you helped jump in, but then organize it. But my dad, it's funny, the craft beer, like we was equivalent craft the craft beer movement, natural wine, yeah, where it probably maybe it won't get as big. Just in general, there's a bit of that still that stigma with wine. But, but um, you, something interesting we talked about. It's almost now people geek out more on beer than they do wine sometimes very now, true it, it's almost flipped it used to be and it used to drive me crazy a little bit that sometimes mm-hmm. you have to have a certain amount of knowledge to really enjoy wine which is not true at all but, but that, i feel like it's yeah gone the other way now people are so at least if you're into craft beer and in the states particularly yeah. it's like you know about the hops it's all small breweries or you know, this town has great beer and there's like the not. surge of uh small kind of smaller uh, I guess runs or, or yeah. ventures into these bigger beer companies mm-hmm. that they do. And, and I was talking to my buddy, um, he owns a spot in the city um, that he curates kind of like all these different brands and he's built relationships with all these uh, breweries and things like that. And yeah, there is such a kind of people are seeking out more and more like the yeah. more obscure beers and like they get, they get things like that are super wacky that the ingredients are made from like, toenails i don't know that may not be actually true but like you know they're really obscure things and then like you know they're coming back to like making um you know more traditional like sours and things like that but um yeah i've noticed that there's sort of been this switch from say having such a affinity for wine and now slowly drink uh trickling into kind of beer as well i think you know with with any if you have a passion for anything obviously you're always building on knowledge and wanting Mm -hmm. to learn more for us with with the wine we have you know really a big selection of natural wines from you know all around the world there's a point i think where when you stop trying to describe a wine or what it's like or maybe even the process to it when you try something and those kind of things you're not even thinking about and it's just the kind of quaffability of it or how it involves a conversation that's got nothing to do with the wine that you sometimes go actually that was that's the bottle that's the one that's brilliant so i think well i think the craft Beer, though, people have, in general, more people know about the basis of beer, the basics sure, yeah. of beer. So what it's it, easier yeah, sure. to grab on to the craft concept because like you're like, okay, I know this much. I can take this knowledge in. And, like, our big thing in um, design and hospitality in general, too, is, like, um, I think, like, a lot of life is charged by insecurities. Sure. So when you're in a space, one of the biggest things is, like, you want to make people feel secure because then they'll actually order something and, 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 and like, approach it and accept it yeah. as, like, their own. So with... With beer, they can, they're more likely to kind of venture out into the craft beer because they're like, hey, I know what a sour is. Cool, I'm going to order that. Sure. Wine is very difficult because even me, like I grew up, you know, Jersey, Jackson, box wine. Yeah. <laughs> like, the bag. Yeah, the bag. Nothing <laughs> that crazy. And then like even as I was a per, like was exposed to really nice wine, like being in the city and then the food scene there, 
I still didn't like grab onto it and love it because I had that same fear when I go to a restaurant. The last thing you want is to sit there and go, oh, um, can I have this wine that I can't pronounce and I don't know. I don't know where it's from. I've never been there. Yeah, because you're not going to do that. And so when we opened, when we did this project, we knew that one of the things we'd had to do is like break down the stigma. Yeah. We wanted wine, like to bring back wine to the people. And that's kind of what the natural wine movement, a lot of it is breaking the stigma with wine, make um, like Action Bronson. It was like a huge. Yeah, I saw. I saw a picture. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. If, um, so for the for people who you know, like we're kind of talking about that have no clue. Like, what are some things that you know are just really easy things to to memorize or even to just be conscious of when you're looking at wine, so to say? Yeah, I mean, just to maybe talk more specifically about natural wine. Yeah, and yeah what, natural and wine. That is because there's no a lot of wine is codified by by law, like a certain yeah. area. To be called this wine, it's got to be a particular grape or mm-hmm. blend of grapes or whatever or process. Natural wine, it's it's not quite as hard line. There are a couple of books and people who have put a really good definition of what it is out there. Um, you know, for me at least, it's things that are it's wine that's made with um, in kind of naturally occurring yeast. So a lot of wine making or any alcohol making, you can add in inoculated yeast, commercial made yeast. Mm. But just in any environment, you know, in a cellar, in a winery, there's natural yeast that exists in the atmosphere. So natural winemakers use them to start the fermenting process rather than adding in chemical strains. Um, on top of that, you know, little to no sulfates used to stabilize the wine. Um, some winemakers use just a little bit to, to, you know, bottling or at different stages to, to stop the wine from, you know, turning. Um, but then on, on top of that, the other big factors are like no flavor enhancers, no added sugars, no um, extra chemicals. A lot of them tend to be biodynamic or organic, but don't yeah. have to be specifically. Some, some big box brands, you find out these horror stories where like your oak in your wine is actually the wine being produced in these giant, you know, colossal barrels and they're adding oak flavoring to this like, yeah. stripped down product. And you wonder why people like wake up with massive hangovers or like can't drink wine. It's because you're literally drinking like chemicals. Like it's, a, it's kind of crazy yeah and you know for for the end product quite often when you when you have more i find at least with a lot of winemakers who are growing their own grapes or sourcing their own grapes and if they haven't been able to use pesticides you know herbicides Mm -hmm. and things like that there's a little bit more care maybe in the in the in the growing part of it um and from that you end up with a better quality grape and essentially sure. better quality wine hopefully at the end and that, that's at least been my experience what, I, what I've found and then what before. about like go-tos for people like ordering off a menu like who's like a pet nut like for example like we yeah. introduced like my sister and her what <laughs> yeah to a pet nut and now <laughs> explain what a pet nut is. Pe- uh, pet nuts are sparkling yeah. wines in, in okay. you know the natural wine world called pet nuts rather than um, you let the wine ferment in a bottle so usually wine ferments in a big in a barrel and then you bottle it you let the wine ferment with a cap on it in the bottle and it gets a natural fizz mm-hmm. to it. Cool. So it's just, yeah, sparkling wine made, you know, rather than going through the methods that you do with Prosecco or Champagne mm-hmm. or, or, you know, um, Cremants and other sparklings, this just happens in the bottle. They have, th- there's some amazing flavors with Pet Nuts. Mm. If you're a beer fan, big cider drinker, this is a great segue Gateway. into the wine world. <laughs> yeah. I find people who really enjoy beer that come to Frankie, um, it's usually the first thing I kind of go to to try and get people to, to I, try them. That's actually how I really got into natural wine besides Ron being around it a lot. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I was drinking ciders because I stopped drinking sure, yeah. beer a while ago. and uh, Well, I drink it a little bit, but not a lot. And then the, the heavy wines, I couldn't really drink. I'd get headaches and stuff. And then mm-hmm. I was drinking ciders. And then sure enough, Ron's like, try this orange wine. And, and it was like really funky. It had a cider like qualities, and I was like, okay, I can drink this. This is my thing now. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. I um, I I kind of made the switch. I think I found out like when I was younger, I was in school, like going out drinking beers at cheap bars and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I like was just I was always having a reaction to beer. I think it was just like oh, really? like a skin reaction. Our friend has that. Yeah, yes. every yeah. night I'd, I'd the guy wake that was up. Living with Rebecca when we first say he has a similar thing. A beer rash. Didn't deter yeah, I would wake up like in between my arms and stuff like that, and then uh, you know it would just I'd be like, what what happened? So yeah. I, my mom would always be like, well maybe you should stop drinking. I was like, mom, that's not <laughs> yeah, the, that's not the thing. But you know, sure enough, I, I kind of like stopped drinking beer, mm. um, also because like I felt like I was slowly blowing up like a balloon yeah, but yeah, um yeah. when i made that switch now for me it's it's usually whiskey or wines yep. most of the time which i think uh i, I end up feeling a hell of a lot yeah. better in the morning yeah, as well true, yeah. so it's, it's like in australia 
Tushni, there's not a big culture of drinking spirits and cocktails as much. Mm. Like, you can you can always get it. Just it's beer and wine are really the yeah. the staples. So you know, if you go to a pub, it's not uncommon to see half the room drinking mm-hmm. wine and drinking sure. beer. And there's there's maybe not quite that much of an element of drinking whiskey and. And no one's drinking Jack on the Rocks. Yeah, or, gin and tonics yeah. is a, is a cocktail. They something. do have a lot. That's one thing that we noticed, like there, and then even across the river. You know, you see it a lot more. There's a lot of wine drinkers, um, yeah. like fifty-fifty split. And here, it's like there's still. I think beer still prevails, but like that's something we're kind of hoping to slowly and surely grind away at, and like mm-hmm. introducing more people to. What is being an option? You opening, know, that... open up to wine a little bit. Sure. Yeah. 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 There's like a spot. There's a spot in Sydney that we love, the Unicorn Hotel. And that's one of the places we referenced for like our concept, which was like this cool pub, um, great atmosphere. And then you had people drinking like it was like these really nice wines and this kind of like rowdy pub atmosphere, which we love. Yeah. Well, you know, all natural wines, bartender and kind of shorts in a single, like very casual place. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah. it's amazing, interesting, diverse wine list to go with it. And it just yeah. complements the place really well. And every time we're in Sydney, we tend to go there or anytime we're meeting friends I'm always like you want to go to the unicorn <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a good place. spot too yeah. I mean I would love to if there was a place around here called the unicorn hotel I'd be like yeah let's go there yeah. I don't care if it's shitty or not yeah, just exactly. go in there I think it was the original name of the hotel. of the pub or the building and hotel a long time ago sure. it's still it has the original signage on it mm. and it was a couple of different places and then the current people brought that name back and just made it that you know that um yeah that atmosphere but the, and the wine that's also just looping in the food too it's kind of why we did the whole food menu to be kind of a, bit, a casual casual and approachable because we didn't want to bring this like super prestigious menu with this wine and yeah. just like turn people yeah. off you want people to come in with open arms but mm-hmm. it was helped with this the idea of the australian concept and you know australian food is very ambiguous it's not you know even in australia what what quite qualifies or quantifies what australian food is and it gives you a really good umbrella to work you know, around or underneath. Um, there's a lot of English pub influence, fish and chips, meat pies, those types sure, of things. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just our proximity to Southeast Asia mm-hmm. and the way we eat in, in Sydney in particular I'm from, there's a lot of Vietnamese Thai influence yeah. um, in, in restaurants and, and the way people eat at home as well. Uh, and so, you know, those kind of different opposite worlds there's no we don't do fusion at all it's not like those things are combined on the plate yeah really at all but they live together side by side on the menu you don't dish to dish there's a little bit of harmony between between those different cultures or different um flavors but even like american like what is american cuisine it's eclectic yeah we always should tell people like it's america sydney australia is kind of like america (laughs) and it's a city and there's an eclectic cuisine it's it's uh, yeah there's a similarity to it at some point it's really just like the comes down to quality of ingredients or or the ingredients for so i saw like you guys get prawns right you have Mm -hmm. prawns on the menu sometimes yeah yeah, and i think you know that's not a normal necessarily like every restaurant's not serving prawns but that's like very uh kind of local to that that area yeah to australia and things like that um so I, I, you know, you mentioned a little bit, but I saw you guys, I, I usually go through the Instagram and scroll down as far as possible until <laughs> yeah, I get yeah. to the last one, but I saw that um, you had a run-in with Action Bronson at uh, like a natural wine fair. Uh, yeah, very briefly, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I missed it. I wasn't there, but... There's an event, it's on actually next week, called the yeah. Raw, yeah, Raw Wine go. Event in, uh, in Brooklyn. They have, they have a few others around the world as well, but we've been going for the past few years and uh, I didn't know a lot about it until we went and it was... Awesome. Yeah, I've gone to a lot of wine tastings and different things, and you, some of them are really, <clears throat> I don't know, helpful or fun, but they often are a little bit more on the austere side. Mm-hmm. This was complete opposite. It's all natural wine producers. <clears throat> it's a lot of fun. It's very kind of casual and it's an old beautiful warehouse. Yeah, in Brooklyn yeah. Bushwick, so. Um, and yeah, just ran into him briefly, and he's obviously a big uh, supporter of natural wine and and get gets pretty into it did you uh did you listen do you listen to his music before running yeah, into him yeah. i think everyone in restaurants listens yeah because <laughs> he has such a he comes from working in restaurants yeah, and being in a line. Chef. yeah and uh and you know he, he's i don't know he's always pretty prevalent i think in most restaurants at least in the new york area yeah um you hear a lot about him and he's just hilarious I think. <laughs> he's, he's good it's true he's 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 uh 
I've I've never really talked to him in person, but like you know, working in the office, the guy comes into the room and everyone just la- is yeah. laughing <laughs> and right. dying. So Frankie is a restaurant, but it's also more than that. You guys are hosting kind of you know, different nights. Uh, for example, you guys do a drink and draw yeah. that I've been really. I swear I've been trying to get to I, mm-hmm. when I first came to Jersey City. Um, you know, my one of my adult decisions moving out of my own was like, oh, you know what? I really miss drawing, you know, figure drawing when I was yeah. in school. So, like, I need to go out. And I went to one, and it just, like, was really creepy, you know? Like, it just <laughs> yeah. felt really weird. Like, I was, I genuinely loved drawing when I was uh, in school, and um, it just rubbed me the wrong way. So, I stopped going yeah. to that after, like, yeah. once. Um, but you guys host, uh, host one here in the space. I think that makes it, like, really awesome and welcoming. Yeah. Um, but you also do... Uh, a disco, a delicious disco series yeah, yeah. called Friends and Lovers. Yep. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about you know how that came how that came about? Yeah. So I mean, we I was involved a little bit with um, uh, in Sydney with some people that threw a really great after hours party um, <clears throat> when I was at university there, and I don't know we've just always loved you know going out and house music and 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 partying really. So we always we talked with our friend Ray who owns a another good rest, really great restaurant in the neighborhood called Roman Nose about throwing oh, yeah. a party mm-hmm. together for, for quite a while before Frankie was even yeah, open. Yeah, he was I one think. of our first really good friends here. And yeah. kind of he and I, we all agreed on food, wine, music, art, culture. It was like just a great connection. Yeah. And we were both, and Ray has been throwing like small gatherings at his spot kind of off and on. And, but he was like, you're, you know, your restaurant is suited like for it. We can bring people in. And so we started doing it once a month. Yeah, on Saturday night after we close, you know, well, relatively after we close, we're sometimes there's the odd diner sitting <laughs> sure, there yeah. and people are kind of coming in and we, so we move all the furniture out of the middle of the room, put the blinds down, um, you know, eventually hit the lights and, and Ray yeah. and our other friends come and DJ for the night. It's always a funny switch over because you kind of have a crew of people at the bar that are like, is there a party happening here? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like, did just, we come to the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, just hang out and you kind of like... You know, people, odd people still finishing their dinner or whatnot. And then once they kind of either join the party or, yeah. or are finished and, and it's like, all right, yeah, hit the lights and then yeah. and then the party kicks it's off. It's like turning over the room. It's, a little, a little it's always a little rough. But yeah, I, think, yeah. I think also, you know, to that point, there's not a lot of that going on in Jersey City at all right now, right? Like mm-hmm. there's just not that culture of having you know more than just the restaurant a space yeah. that is hosting people inviting people in and, and which is like great because i think that we'll we'll, we'll we'll see well i think there is i think there is but it's a little bit different like you have like porter that has mm-hmm. the, and then you have like the other spaces that have downstairs parties and it's like it's definitely like happening but i think what we're trying to do is make it again it's all about like approachable comfort like with the drink and draw like you come in it's upstairs it's yeah. kind of designed like someone's beach house upstairs in our second yeah, floor yeah it's a little lounge area and the, the part of the drink and draw that same reason you probably were uncomfortable like i've gone to somewhere i'm like this feels really like sterile and yeah. and like i'm afraid to speak and like if you're nervous you can't draw well so like the idea of what we were going to do was bring the model in we work with them um, deep space gallery mm-hmm. have you been there no yeah, I, it just awesome. it just opened not so long ago right it's um they've been around it's for really a cool. bit but speaking of like gems off the grid like they're they're a great gallery space and like thrift store and we collaborate Ooh. with them so they bring the model and they'll do some promo for us cool. and like you literally all gather uh have wine and like you there's like te- couches sit on some chairs yeah. usually you sit on the ground and you just drop and it's like a very comfortable thing and as far as the you party, still hear the restaurant and everything going on yeah, downstairs, yeah that's which cool is, though it's just fun it's really funny at the end where during breaks when the models just walk around naked and you're upstairs and you're like having wine and people are eating and it's like this is a great party <laughs> it feels like almost um i mean not from experience but it kind of sounds like uh like almost like you're at your friend's place and yeah, yeah. they're having dinner in the next room and you guys are over here doing yeah. your art kind of your project new friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah if you look around the restaurant there's from a couple of them uh we had some of the work framed from yeah. people nice. who came and there's, you know, work from like our friend Pi Tim, who's a who's a really great artist, yeah. and he um did this amazing piece. We got framed when he come in, and then equally as important, on another wall is our friend who it's half, you know, stick figure like and animal looking, you know, like, <laughs> that's draw, great. Yeah, it hasn't drawn a whole really lot, good. and that's framed on another wall side by side, and, and it's like. I don't know. Both and them, the point, like, there's a little bit of talking aloud, and like even the the timing, like there's there's it's structured. There's time poses for the model and everything, but like. It's not like you're not going to go in and like say she needs to take a break. It's not this like 
school. It's not as yeah, studious environment. It's, not as it's fun. It's like a social activity. And the rest of the parties, like we air, we also put on we project films, and so like yeah. we'll put on like Fantastic Planet or like Santa Sangre, <laughs> and it's so funny watching people like just get captivated <laughs> by like you know, the woman, like her her arms are cut off and she's bleeding, and it's like half the scene who came in didn't know what to expect with the movie. And they're like, this is so gory. How can you show this? And I'm like, do you know what you watch on a daily basis? Like, true, this, yeah. is, this isn't, this is like intentionally not even like real gore. This is like yeah. art house gore. Yeah. It's a little but more obscure. The after hours thing I was talking about in Sydney started off in a Indian restaurant in an area called King's Cross, which is kind of a notorious area in Sydney. And, uh, when I met the people who, who ran it years later, cause it moved to a, to a proper like nightclub, they were talking about it, how it started at this place. And I was like, I ended up there one night and I was like, that was, that was this party kind of thing. And it kind of stuck with us a little bit that, you know, a rest, you know, a restaurant, it's a public space. You can really do so much with it. Mm. If you've got, if you've got the attitude you want to do, if it's interesting yeah. to things like the party are amazing. We, like, have, well, we have the party going on once every third Tuesday, the drink and draw is going to mm-hmm. be consistent. We have um, a, sh- a brunch party, a tribute to Sade with, yeah. with lovely, with lovely Lisa and Vidal. So, yeah, we always try to keep it kind of like the energy flowing and exciting for people to come in too. We have a pro- we don't have any TVs, but there's a projector yeah. that we use. I mean, I think that's that's a very intentional thing, though, right? Because as soon as yeah. you bring a TV into the space, it feels very like no, everyone's yeah, just like glued. It gives, I know, it's yeah. like almost taking it out gives people more reason to interact and not necessarily yeah. be like looking at. I, I mean, I do it every once in a while. It's like when you go to a restaurant with my girlfriend or something. It's just like. Oh my god, there's yeah. a TV. Yeah. yeah, just like naturally. And then you're watching The like, Bachelor or something for yeah. two hours. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was definitely a part of the conversation. Like, we'd never, I don't think we'd ever do a place which you would have TVs in as silly. But yeah. there's times like, yeah, showing those kind of movies are really fun. Showing Premier League football. Yeah. Because there's nowhere really in town that does, you know. Quite often yeah, it's just yeah. me watching it, maybe one other ex There's a game in the corner. on yeah. in Australia that yeah. I want to watch yeah. right now. But, you know, it's kind of like, well, we can we could be the place that shows everything that doesn't get, that isn't on maybe or gets mm. utilised in, in other places. For the World so, Cup, that was so World fun. Cup was, yeah. A, yeah. yeah. That was probably one of the main reasons, actually. It's like, oh, show the World Cup. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think <laughs> that was that was the 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 foot in the door yeah, of the, yeah. the Premier League yeah, in soccer. Yeah. Like, oh, I guess we got this projector now. Looks and like we'll we gotta show watch movies every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. That's great. No, we even were like trying to show and like we'll show NFL, but it's funny because it's like work for us. It's not our lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, well, what but, game is on? I can look at yeah. at the Fox and Crow in the in the back room there in the parlor, which is like beautiful and awesome music venue. There's a projector in there, and we did do a short-lived movie series yeah. there that um, it was on Monday nights. And we'd show, I think we did like six of them or something. And uh, you, you can't, you'd, you'd have a very small but dedicated crowd coming to these <laughs> movies sure, yeah, to yeah. watch it. Sometimes one or two people. It's like a cult on there. Yeah, cult classic. So you wouldn't necessarily have a huge crowd, but the, the handful of people that came would come really love that movie. So it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a fun sight. Like, going for yeah. the niche audience yeah. here. Um, so you guys are constantly working together, um, you know, on the bunch of projects that mm-hmm. you guys do and as much business partners as you guys are, but you're also, you know, together outside of work, mm-hmm. you know, what is it like going into business for, with someone that's just not only your business partner, but your significant other? Um, I guess everyone, <laughs> everyone warns you. I mean, you, de- you definitely, there's always that fear where like you hear the stories of like the young restaurant tours, like we went to a hostel once and like, it was like these this guy, uh, no, I was, you weren't there, I was at a hostel. <laughs> but it was this guy who had opened up in Nicaragua, and the pictures of the bar were actually oh, yeah. resined. Your friends have been there, though. And it was um, pictures of, like, he and his wife and the young fa- the young kid, and it was, like, just sunny days. And then the guy's still there, and he's old, he's divorced, his kid's dramatic. And you're just like, oh, my God. It's totally That's stuff. tough. It always starts really. But I think um, you can't kind of let that fear, you can't also compare yourself to other stories all the time, too. Sure. Yeah. Gotta trust yourself. No, I mean, I think you know, re- our relation, you know, personal relationship comes first. You know, it's probably better that we're working. Like, it's funny because we're both so passionate about what we do yeah. that mm. it's actually like it's nice. Because otherwise, I think we'd be like, if I wasn't with him and I was with someone else who had like a different mindset, I would be the annoying workaholic. Who sure, yeah. so, you know, work, you, you know, the restaurant is is, su- is such a personal place for us that you know. Like exactly what you said, if I was working with someone else, you know, that maybe be more personality clashes and, sure, and problems. Yeah. I think when you're in a relationship like we are, you have more 
allowance for each other and you know moods or yeah being upset or tight whatever whatever it is if if you're in that same relationship but with someone who you know is just a business partner it might actually cause more problems when you think in, in some ways because you're not mm-hmm. quite as forgiving of of other people or, or something like that and i think we it's like it's like a great relationship just when you can come together on basically the things that are important you know in life and like you agree on it it, it goes pretty seamlessly yeah so it's um right now it's good <laughs> <laughs> i think it kind of goes also like uh you know I knew I was going to ask you this question, but you kind of mentioned before is that you guys almost have this complementary quality, you know, having be a designer, but both creative and, Mm -hmm. you know, an aspect that seems to just have the perfect amount of overlap that, you Mm -hmm. know, you can focus on your thing, you can focus on, you know, your thing. And, you know, at times I'm sure there's plenty of uh, heated moments, but Mm -hmm. otherwise, you know, things work out because you're both passionate about the same, you know, you have the same goal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it is an interesting aspect, you know, like we, we're both so interested in what each other's skills are, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you know, ultimately, you know, if, if I'm describing what I really think something should look like, or or I think would look great, Rebecca has the ability to actually create that, and what would go into making that atmosphere or that feel in a certain way. Likewise, if it's something like with wine or food, mm-hmm. there may be some things that are quite esoteric, and I think, oh, this is absolutely sure, amazing. Yeah. Rebecca can come from more of a consumer's point of yeah, view and totally. be like that's yeah. disgusting <laughs> that's horrible don't don't serve that or whatever and uh so you know it does balance out a little bit yeah and i also can't cook a thing so, <laughs> so just maybe it's a dependent relationship <laughs> sure recognizing you know kind of being able to recognize your your weaknesses in a sense yeah. is i think for me has always been huge uh not only like professionally like business-wise and career but like you know, just, uh, you know, intimately and emotionally, it's like, yeah, I'm, I mean, me personally, I'm an emotional guy. Like I cry all the time and I'm always like, you know, people are like, oh, I have such a, I'm having such a rough week. And I'm like, you need a good cry. (laughs) You you need a good cry. I'm like, what? No, I don't do that. I was like, dude, I did that yesterday. It's totally okay. You know, it's totally fine. So I think that, that, you know, sounds like a big thing as well that plays into it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, the projects, you know, Frankie's doing well, you Fox and Crow. I mean, I don't believe that anyone has come in to say a thing about those wings because I think they're really good. You know, had any complaints or anything like that. But, um, you know, what's what's uh, on the horizon for, for you two? You know, are you guys working on projects or anything that you can maybe give a little bit about? I was going to say, we have, we always have so many ideas in different directions. Um, it's like, and it's hard to pin down where exactly you want to focus your energy and make the commitment for the next um, the next thing I think the biggest thing we want to focus on is obviously still nurturing Frankie and then mm-hmm. seeing how we can expand in Frankie's brand so whether it be some type of like uh, pop up elsewhere like yeah. maybe um, if it's in like Brooklyn or if it's even in another state or in Australia like maybe we go to Australia and do a pop up there but I think um, definitely expanding Frankie and then we have a few concepts in mind for future spots yeah. if the time is right um, sure. we, we but you know it's, really, I, it's so important not to rush into any you know yeah. even if you have a really great idea sometimes you can kind of get the feeling like i just i want to do, want to do it right now because it seems so perfect but you know these these things have longevity or need longevity so kind of I'd giving it time and waiting till you're in the right position find the right place that type of thing is really but important per, like right, like ground level we we have something hopefully we can give more details on it soon but um this summer uh if you just look out for something called the swim club cool. and um that's really all i can say and then hopefully sure. it uh, comes to life that's so, awesome yeah. um thank you where can uh people find uh, frankie or find you two on the web internet where where can they go so frankie's instagram is frankie eats jc um you guys are located the restaurant's located in jersey city we're in jersey city and then we both have like personal instas i'm i'm Mine's actually you find me in the restaurant, man. I'm not. I will yeah. say, <laughs> so doing doing the research, right? You know, before some of these episodes, you know, you type in, you Google search people, and yeah. Rowan is is completely non-existent. On, and a, and I'm sure that's you know, it's a good thing. I don't say yeah, it's yeah. bad, but it makes it really hard to pin down what right. you know Rowan's experience and stuff like that. And uh, usually you default to. For me, I go to Instagram and look. Yeah. Then Rowan's Instagram is also a few posts. I was like, damn, this guy, you, you make it really hard. Very, well, he's private on. The the opposite but even um like i have a design studio it's called black rabbit um and i in the pro- speaking of like mm. you get involved in so many projects and we're in the process of trying to like get kind of flesh that out and get that up because right now my instagram my per- it's my personal yep. one and that's as you probably know as a designer it's like 
you go in those worlds of like, okay, I need to make that break so that I can sure, actually yeah. get the design crowd specifically following because yeah. not everyone wants to see pictures of my dogs. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm the personal one. But yeah, so we're, we're out there. You see me in splatters through Rebecca's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every, this is true. Every month or two. This is very true. Yeah. Um, you, can, you, can, you can personally find Rowan every day. At Frankie, <laughs> Frankie yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you too for, uh, for chatting with me today. Oh, Appreciate thank it. Thank you, man. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of WellFed. This podcast is produced by me, John Sarantino, out in Jersey City, New Jersey, and made possible by all the amazing people that agree to be my guests on this thing. Music is also provided by my friend Kevin Bendis out in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. If you have any suggestions or ideas for people that you'd like to hear from, go ahead and DM them to me on Instagram at wellfed.us. If you like listening, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or you can also go to the website wellfed.us for more episodes. Again, thank you so much for listening. Bye!